0: what track... you are
1: listening to what the Sales and Marketing Summit Virtual Event 2022. I'm Dooner, that's the dude, this is What the Truck.
0: It certainly is. Hey, good Wednesday afternoon to you, man. I'm fresh off the COVID engine re- reserve list and uh, ready to get back in the game, coach. I'm Put just me le- in, there's 10 seconds left, I'm How about a sneak?
1: I'm... Cr- <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had, like, a virtual... Like, that, That to me, like, the metaverse, a great use of that would be to, like, go inside Dak Prescott's mind and with 14 seconds <laughs> left, so like, just be part of that play yeah. as he dies on the ground. It was, it was terrible. By the way, you can win that. So, you guys, you know, COVID, Omicron's been running rampant. Everyone, Everyone's getting sick left and right. Yep. You mentioned just getting off the, right the DLS. Well, one of the ways that Facebook is trying to integrate you in business and all these things are these, like, these meta headsets. What is that? A meta quest, Two? You can win one of those today at the event just for registering. So, if you're watching this... This on live.freightwaves.com you've already registered the end of the show we'll give you one of these who knows maybe your next virtual event will be a uh, on an oculus that's very cool
0: man I'm, I'm interested to see what the new social norms will be with those right what's socially acceptable in a
1: metaverse meeting anymore
0: <laughs> i'd like to push we'll that like envelope a, you know apparently I mean? there
1: are safe zones on that because oh. it's the internet and people do take to trolling on the internet so yeah had to put like safe zones for people up Oh, so you can <laughs> exactly. Well, that's not good marketing though. Starting trouble on the uh, on the no, Oculus. So <laughs> yeah, that's let's true. get off. But we have we have a ton of great guests today on the show. You're going to learn how to accelerate your social media growth with Launch Houses. Toby Howell. Your uh, if your video's gone viral, we had that guy on earlier. He was talking about the viral videos, right? With Blythe. Yeah. Well, yeah what yeah, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What next? When your video goes viral, Hawk Media's yeah, Eric Kuberman. Do. He's had one go viral recently. He'll tell us what to do, how to capitalize on it, how to convert customers, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we got our ages. Brooke Bajista. She reminds us that of the. Tools That amplify your sales process and they don't replace it. She's going to tell us what we should be using in 2022. And NFTs, right? NFTs, Metaverse, New Frontier. Do they make any sense in freight? Is this something you should be getting into or systems? Nick Darnoski will tell us all about it. But who's with us right now? It is Brooke Bacesta. She's here. She is the Revenue Enablement Management management manager over at outreach.io. Sorry, I can't speak today, Brooke. Good morning. Good afternoon, actually.
2: Oh, all right. Good morning. How's it going?
1: She does something at outreach. Yeah, where are you? Hey, Where are you located? Where are you guys out of?
2: Uh, well, today I'm in my very messy gear room slash office, but I'm in uh, Seattle area, so close to headquarters.
1: Well, if I understand correctly, cool. you are a Georgetown Hoya alum and you are on the varsity volleyball team. So hopefully we can set you up with a spike on some That's sales. Right. I am <laughs> <laughs> On some sales knowledge. <laughs> well, Let's talk about it because uh, these segments are pretty quick, so we'll jump right into it. Uh, a lot of people get hung up on the tools versus the process, right? But the right tools, the right process have to match up. Talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, I think um, anytime you're looking at a tech stack, all it's doing is amplifying what your business is already doing. And I think a lot of times reps get caught in the idea that, hey, my sales automation tool is going to replace what I'm doing. So I can just throw junk into the robot and expect high quality stuff to come back. Not necessarily the case. Um, so yeah, whatever you're doing, whether it's ABX, uh, whatever swim lanes you have set up for your reps, making sure that your tool stack is amplifying, not replacing your people.
0: Yeah. So your goal and what you're doing there, your mission is how to, uh, how to drive predictable and efficient growth, right? Is yeah. what it, is What it says. Let's talk about that a little bit. How does outreach, uh, onboard uh, your reps to ensure their success?
2: Sure. So, yeah. So for context, um, I lead enablement for the XDR organization, and that's just the development side of the house. So anybody who's calling on inbound leads and then going outbound uh, to book meetings, when it comes to onboarding reps, we're very spoiled in that we have a nice tech stack of um, that of course, our, we drink our own champagne. So we're using our own engagement and intelligence platform, buyer insight data, contact information. Uh, but I think what's important when you're onboarding reps is just starting out uh, with something simple so with our reps, they're selling software to sales and marketing operations leaders. Uh, but we just start them on the one persona to get started with one talk track. Uh, and then we work on building the muscle of volume and then add complexity from there.
1: You know at events like this we talk about a ton of different tools and avenues that people can yeah. take to grow their sales and marketing funnels but that can also lead you to be a little confused right you're looking to be efficient when you're coming to prospecting right, right, I mean, right, all right, these right, right. tools can make it completely inefficient cuz now you're like oh, I got to go with a TikTok I got to up my Twitter game I got to go on LinkedIn I have to do this and that how do you help your? How do you help to prospect more efficiently?
2: That that's a great point because I you're right in that uh, it can be very easy to get lost in the sauce, as they say, and just getting uh, stuck in all of your tools. At the end of the day, all you're doing is chatting with folks. So we have our own methodology, and it's called outreachology. But it's a mix of a couple, couple different um, sales practices, like selling above and below the line, command of the message, medic, and so on. So with SDRs, like the first thing we talk about is like how do you make a cold call? So getting over any potential anxiety that there may be in calling another human on the phone, because uh, for a lot of folks, that, that's a new practice, uh, and then writing an email from scratch. So we basically teach people how to do it the hard way from the get-go, and then as they get good at that, it's like learning how to drive a stick before you drive um, automatic. Then we can say, okay, now we can go faster, or we can um, you know add in additional complexity there.
0: Yeah, and, and, and another thing in, in sales that adds a lot of anxiety to people is having those those meetings, right? Yeah. And the, mm-hmm. especially the face to face working walking into a boardroom the first time that type of stuff and then when you get into virtual meetings, you, you kind of can let down your guard a little bit because they they seem to be much less formal right a little bit but so how do you avoid that and you conduct you know better virtual meetings ones that are more meaningful
2: uh well, I think it with anything it's just coming in there with a plan and um, a format for running your meeting so like I work with cold calling folks specifically, and so my mindset is that Every call should be basically the same, the same, the same. And the only thing that's changing is what your prospects are saying. So if you go in there with a preset line of questions, uh, your pre-frame, if you're an account executive and you're running a longer meeting, uh, knowing exactly what you want to ask and asking questions that you probably already know the answers to can help you drive from the get go and alleviate a lot of that anxiety. Because I feel like with most SCRs, it's like they pick up the phone And then somebody answers and your mind goes blank because you're like, oh, God, I've made 60 dials and on dial 61, somebody finally answered me. Uh, So making sure that they have very clear directions and a path to follow.
1: Let's go a little deeper on that. So, you know, you you had the meeting, right? You've done the prospecting. You're putting the deal in place. And a lot of times in sales, we can kind of be optimistic, maybe to our own detriment, thinking it's going through. But how do we discover and fix deal risks proactively so when we know that there's problems arising we don't overlook those?
2: Yeah, and I think that's something that probably our account executive team could speak uh, more to than myself since I'm focused more on like front or top of pipeline. Uh, But I think whenever it comes to deal risk, it's like, have you talked to your prospect recently? How many buyers are involved? Forrester reminds us that it used to be one buyer was the norm. And now it's like three to four across at least two departments. Uh, So having some checks in place of like, have I met with this company recently, like in the last week? Are they opening my emails? How many people do I have attached on the account? And then most importantly, what business initiative am I attached to? Because otherwise it'll just be siphoned off. It's nice to have. So making sure that you understand what's going on specifically with your buying group and how your product is going to slide in uh, to support their programs.
1: No, Brooke, before we let you go, this is uh, an issue I think everyone's going to have to have to deal with and they've been dealing with for the past year is that internal selling, that internal marketing of just your employees, just keeping them on staff and not jumping into this great resignation. Mm, Any tips or advice for keeping teams together during times like this?
2: Oh, yeah, that's a great call. Uh, There's no denying it's harder to bond with your teammates when you are at home alone in your multifunctional office space. Um, So I think that one thing that outreach has done a nice job of is uh, making sure that we're incentivizing folks to pursue their entire career path. Right. So it's not just a point in time job that they're trying to get through. This is a step in their longer term career. So making sure we've got training. We have an accelerator program for sales development reps who want to become account executives making sure they get exposure to the executive team. Of course, competitive compensation is a large part of that. Uh, but as we all know, that's not going to keep somebody long-term. It may get you over a hump. Uh, but if they've already made the decision to leave because they're not getting what, they're get- what they need, uh, comp is only going to be a small part of that. Thank you so much, Brooke. Everyone check out outreach.io.
1: We appreciate your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Have a good one. <laughs> Take care. Now, our next gentleman, he was, he's been on this show and put that coffee yes, down he before. Has. He's also, in my opinion, one of the people most responsible for the Morning Brew's great brand voice. This year, he's starting a job over at Launch House, which is also really exciting. It's like a hype house for entrepreneurs. We'll find out from him how that works. It's Toby Howell. He is a content lead over at Launch House, and he's got some experience, not just with brand voice, but with startups and with helping to do some self-promotion. Toby, it's good to see you, man. How's it
3: going, there? It's been too long.
1: <laughs> it has been too long. You know, I saw, I saw at the end of the year, you said I'm moving on from Morning Brew, and I'm like, wow, this yeah. has to be something really exciting and really interesting. Then I was watching this Netflix show called Hype House, and I saw you were at Launch House, and I was looking at, it, and I'm like, is is this like Hype House but for like founders and entrepreneurs? Tell us what Launch House is.
3: It is a little bit like that. Um, so the, the the brief backstory is uh, back in. Uh, the kind of the midst of the 2020, like first wave of the pandemic, um, a few friends, the eventual founders of Launch House, went and rented a house down in Tulum. Um, and the goal was to just like reestablish some human connection, work with really cool people, and basically like stave off some of that isolation that so many of us felt. Um, and it turned out to be this really, really successful trip where. They launched a bunch of new products. Actually, formed the idea for Launch House, and so now what we do is we have a house in Los Angeles and a house in New York City, um, and we invite a cohort of twenty entrepreneurs, startup founders, to live together, work together, launch together, uh, and just essentially work on their companies in, in, a, in a shared um, and like really cool space to uh, to
0: uh, be working. Yeah. So it's an incubator commune.
1: Kind of (laughs) that type of thing.
3: (laughs) Um, Commune hype house, whatever you want to call it, it it uh, is—it's an exciting place to work with exciting people.
1: It's all about teaching people, also yeah. how teaching these, these these founders, right, to to fend for themselves out in the world, to fend on these new platforms and emerging platforms and the changing algorithms and running brand accounts and all of that. One thing you have such intimate experience with and great experience with was developing that voice for the Morning Brew and creating something that was really captivating, especially for millennials. And you're taking something like. You know, there's always this thing that people say, like, in freight, especially before it went mainstream last year, was that, like, it's boring and nobody's going to care about it. And I think one thing that you showed is that you can take almost any meme template and incorporate almost any sort of thing that's happened in business, as long as people are, like, sharing news about that business, and you can find synergy between the two and you can create great memes and, and build an account. Tell us a little bit about building a brand account and how that works.
3: Yeah, I actually, it is very interesting because yeah, most people thought business news was boring for a while. Most people thought freight was boring for a while, but whenever you have something with a shared collective experience, and and by that I mean, people know what it feels like to buy a stock and have it go down the next day. People know what it feels like to get caught up in in a meme stock or something like that. That is a shared experience. And once you have a shared experience, it's easy to create content around that, um, and so memes are essentially just a vehicle for bringing to light a like a shared inconvenience or a shared experience. Um, so, really, just finding what kind of unites people within your your niche and within your area of, of business, um, and just playing up on on the things that, yeah, again, people people know recognize and have a shared experience around a, a common a common like problem or a common um, yeah just any anything that they have in common with each other um, that's that's something that's right from the memeing and right for putting your your own individual like brand stamp and brand voice on
0: yeah, no, you know, Toby, going through uh, a lot of your your Twitter and your and your stuff that you put out there, there was uh, I think there like twenty two different things there oh, for, yeah. for growing your audience. And I think what you were just talking about there on our list, anyways, is number five: recognizing and then capitalizing or recognizing something that is that is trending or going viral right now and trying to bring that into your into your brand. Right? Uh, let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that a little bit right now. Is is finding how, how do you find that right? Because you got to test and and then retest, don't you?
3: Yeah, so recognizing and capitalizing—it's a double-edged sword sometimes uh, because you don't want to just be a a brand account that is only hopping on trends and is only doing what is trendy for that specific week. Um, But at the same time, it is very valuable to come across as a brand account that I like to say gets it—that is plugged into the culture, plugged into what the youths are talking about, if you will. so yeah, I'm constantly a consumer of of the internet and the internet trends to see what I can plug and play into my specific brand. Um, and yeah, it's a very, it's not something that you can just like wake up and be good at. Like luckily I'm someone who was raised on the internet. So I'm very plugged into mm-hmm. what's, what's, uh, what's the it trend of the moment. Um, but yeah, I always try to keep like the core of our brand front and center, um, and not get too caught up in like the winds of trends. Um, no matter how like alluring they can be.
1: Yeah, they sure can. And so can algorithms. Right. And like, for example, on LinkedIn, one of the most annoying things that they have done is they've made like polls be really important in their algorithms. So then you have people getting all this meaningless engagement from polls and they go, Oh great. You know, 10,000 people saw my, my poll, but like who really cares, right? If you're not getting conversions or it's really yeah, cheap like yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. you had two points here, number nine and number 10, which were don't, f- and by the way, you can read these on his Twitter account. We'll have a link to that in the show notes and everything. He put some great ones here, but one of them, they kind of contradict. Don't fight the algorithm, um, but don't be a slave to the algorithm either. How do you walk that fine line and what do you mean by that? those two?
3: So specifically for Twitter, when I say don't fight the algorithm, um, there was a moment back when GameStop was, GameStop Mania was at its peak and that was like early January of last year. Like anytime I posted content about GameStop, it just immediately, like people were craving that content. They wanted information, they wanted memes, they wanted jokes about it. So that was an example of the algorithm essentially telling you like, listen, people are loving GameStop content right now, feed them unique and and fun content and like it it will perform well. But when I say, don't be a slave to the algorithm, it's exactly what you just mentioned, Dooner. Like on on LinkedIn, the algorithm is favoring polls, but that is empty and like vapid content. Um, And like the gut reaction test that I use is like, would I be, like if I'm, I try to see it from uh, an outsider's perspective, Um, and say like, does this reflect well on the brand? Like, is this something that I as a consumer would want to consume from from a brand? Um, And so, yeah, it it has to pass kind of like the smell test in in my opinion. Um, So yeah, there's two, they might seem contradictory, but as long as the content uh, is something that the users are telling you that they want rather than like the actual algorithm itself, then I think you're fine to hop on trends whenever, whenever, uh, it meets that criteria.
0: That makes, that makes perfect sense. Getting that gut check in there yeah. and kind of learn it. And you learn that as you go, I would imagine that's something you kind of right. start to get more of a better gut sense about things that are there. One of the other ones there that interests me uh, and I think will interest others, you, you put on there, uh, build your content buckets backwards. What, what do you, what do you mean by that?
3: That is something that I've learned directly through my experience, um, creating a ton of content. So a lot of people, uh, whenever they come into a content role, they think the first thing they need they need to do is build like content pillars or build content buckets, which are like high level uh, structure for what kind of content they'll produce. So it will be like, we're gonna cover the news news of the day, we're gonna do high fidelity threads, We're gonna do this, this, and that. But if you start with that high level, uh outlook then you don't actually know what works and what doesn't so i like to instead just throw stuff out the wall for the first week first month um see which type of contents resonates with the audience that you are creating for and then from there it's almost like a puzzle like you can piece together like okay people clearly like memes about gamestop they clearly like threads explaining macro uh economic concepts whatever, the, whatever the, the piece of content that have performed the best, that's when you can then start forming these uh, like structural pillars around your content. Um, because I think people do it out of order too many, too many times, um, and they're not listening to what their audience is telling them. Um, so yeah, I try to let the audience guide me wherever possible.
1: Well, Toby, nobody wants Excellent. to get canceled. It is 2022. And I think that, especially on social media, there's a lot of anxiety. So this is more for the newer refs, which you've been doing this for a little bit. And you did it with, I mean, startups are a little bit easier. They let you carve their own path. They let you be a little bit riskier. But they let you create a part of that voice of the morning brew. And now not everyone can be like full Wendy's and insult every single other account they go onto in an amusing way. But if you do <laughs> want to make your account, especially in freight, which can be kind of boring, the brand accounts, what would you recommend to that social media person to pitch to uh, to their upper levels to be able to have some more fun with it.
3: Yeah, one thing I'll say is like I mentioned the gut check again. Um, whenever you're taking a risk or being risky with with the voice or the content you're producing, just take a take a beat. Does it pass the, the the gut check? Like, would I want like my mother or grandmother like seeing this? And does it reflect well as like who we are as a company and who I am as a person? So there's just like a basic level of, of gut check you need to do to make sure you don't make any terrible mistakes. Um, but in terms of convincing the higher ups that um, something I've been very lucky. I've had higher ups that understand um, like the voice in, in the, the current climate of social media. But if I didn't, I would just lead with uh, like business objectives whenever possible. I mean, every higher up loves to hear, hey, if this this is going to grow our audience, this is going to get our brand in front of more eyeballs, um, and like show them examples maybe from another account or show them an example that you've done in the past that performed really well. Like if you come armed with data and you come armed with a, a specific business objective that you're serving, it's very hard for a, a higher up to say no, um, even if the content is like edgier or a little um pushing the the boundaries a little bit.
1: You know, that's a great point, too, and I like that you're like, look, if you want to do it, you're gonna to have to put a little of your own effort into, sure. right? I mean put to get use some of these marketing tools you have. Put those those analytics that you use externally that you use for clients, you can also use internally to say, hey, this has yeah. performed really well. Do a little legwork. And you're right. I, I think that a lot of times when when we're I know when I was younger, I would also I'd get you know, hang like, oh no one's listening to me. And then it's like, well yeah. wait, did you actually make you much of an anything. effort <laughs> to make them listen to you? Yeah. Those are some great points, Toby. had how, how do people connect with you? How do they get over to your great Twitter account where you, you give out a lot of advice like this on there? And how do they find out about launch house
3: yeah uh follow my personal account at toby doy howell um and then in my bio you'll see that the launch house website and the launch house twitter account um so yeah the twitter for launch house is at launch house it was actually we just had a big uh internal celebration because we finally got our hands on the at launch house with no underscore um twitter account Mm. so it's these small wins in social media sometimes like just getting rid of an underscore sometimes is cause for celebration uh
1: it feels big right (laughs)
3: right it's 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 a small little character but it feels bigger than it is
1: hey before i let you go (laughs) settle an argument with me between uh blythe and myself she is team tiktok i'm team twitter which team are you going on
3: if i'm a founder i'm on team twitter because that's where founders that's where vcs are hanging out um and it Twitter elevates how you think more so than any other platform. Mm-hmm. Um, TikTok is great, but it's not sustainable sometimes. Like I know people who've had a product go viral and they get overwhelmed with orders for a week, but then it drops off. So it's kind of like, again, it's it's almost empty engagement. Um, so yeah, I'm team Twitter, but I'm 100% biased. So
1: yeah, well, same here, but <laughs> well, it's okay. That's why I put biased people on my show so they can agree with me. Thank you so much, Toby. I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, thank, thank you, guys. thank you so much, sir. Best <laughs> of luck too at the, the new role in 2022 at Launches. He's launching himself into the strategy. I, I, I love it, man. Kill the, it. Second startup, second startup in a row too.
0: Second startup in a row. Uh, he kills it. Toby's Toby's a man. He's a man. man. He's doing great.
1: I am too. All right, I love him. Hey, so our own CEO and founder, Craig Fuller. He bought yeah. Flying Magazine last year. He had a big year. Well, yeah. our next gentleman here. Take a look at this picture of Eric Huberman. He oh, yeah. is the founder and CEO at Hawk Media. Show the picture, guys. Show this picture of him. I want to congratulate him. Here we go. Show me. That? He got his is. pilot's license. There we go. Congratulations. That's sweet. I Still, love, I love the fact time,
0: that that picture is a little bit misleading though.
1: Well, Eric, thanks for joining us. Can, can, <laughs> wait, what's misleading about
0: it? He, he doesn't fly that plane. Oh,
1: he doesn't fly, that no, I fly that plane. Well, Eric, this is a continuation of last time you were on because you'd mentioned that you flew, you were like, yeah, you know, I'm getting my pilot's license. Um, I'm near the end of that road and I was flying over port of LA and you could see all the boats out there and everything. So it, it kind of came yep. full circle. Congratulations. Why'd you get the flying license? Just a, uh, is it part of your sales and marketing scope or just a hobby? Just a hobby. Honestly, I, I found myself,
4: I went and got scuba certified and really enjoyed the like mental challenge of learning about sorry, I'm echoing back on myself. So it's off. Um, yeah, I, I got my uh, scuba certified and really enjoyed like the challenge of learning a new skill and all about like, the dangers of it, etc., and when what could I do that I can stick with for a year and a half, and or more, and actually like prolong this idea of like stretching my brain in a way that has nothing to do with work? And sa- settled on pilot's license, and then it's my I absolutely loved it. Beautiful.
0: Yeah, is it something you go deeper and deeper into? Eric, I mean, you know, because you say I'm I'm on the path to fly this plane, but not yet, right? So are you continuing that and saying, okay, I can get to this and then maybe commercial, et cetera?
4: Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. It goes uh, Next, I'm going to be getting certified on a higher performance engine so I can go on faster planes. And then it'll be IFR, which is instrument rated, and then probably keep going, get my commercial license, get, you know, all the different ratings and end up flying jets, et cetera. Like, the, the idea is just to keep learning. So I'm sure I'll, or hopefully progress over time.
1: Well, Eric, one of the reasons I bring up all of this flying is because it all circles back to a TikTok that you also posted that did really, really well. And you were amazed by the performance of this because it's one of those you're in marketing, right? You're trying to take viral videos and TikToks all the time. And this is one where you were just at a convention and you saw it. you're know, like flying car. That looks cool. That's probably good for TikTok. At least it's not the greatest video, but yeah. maybe it'll do. tell us a little bit about the story behind this and how did the video do? Actually, you know, guys, do we have the video? Let's watch it first. Simple video, but how did it do? <laughs> yeah, <but. laughs>
4: yeah, so I, I you know, I'm coming out with my book Hawk Method and my social team was like, Hey, you gotta get on TikTok, like I knew this, but you can go viral there, like we gotta get you going on TikTok more and I had like a hundred followers and it posted some snowboard videos and random things and I was at Art Basil like, I guess a little over a month ago. And they literally, it was a Wednesday morning. And they're like, you got to start posting more. I'm like, all right, well, I'm to this cool like, flying car launch tonight. I'll just post a cool video of it. That's the video. It's not that interesting other than it says the world's first flying car. But like, it's like, they pull the sheet back. It's a cool looking car. We're done. And I posted it at late at night. I wake up the next morning and it has like 600,000 views. I'm like, oh, wow. Like my biggest video had like 4,000 views before that and a 100 followers. But I'm like, so this, yeah, this caught on. Cool. People are interested in it put my phone away, go to lunch, et cetera, pull my phone back out that afternoon and it's got like 8 million views and it kept going now. I think it's got 58 million views uh, and been licensed by Dukin and all over the news and on the cover of Reddit or front page of Reddit. And yeah, it's gone everywhere.
1: Well, that's what we were going to ask you, because like, like Toby said, our last guest, he was like, you know, the one thing about TikTok is that virality is fleeting and conversions yeah. can be very, yeah. very fleeting, even more so than maybe other platforms. But you said you were able to sell this and make some conversions and pick up some clients. How did you turn that viral video, even if it was easy effort, right? Great title. You were at the thing. Smart, smart to post it. But how did you do it? really matters, converting this to, to customers and to sponsors and that kind of thing? Well first
4: off like using let's just say I use a ten dollar cost per thousand impressions you know which is pretty cheap but standard in advertising I got 58 million impressions so it's a, I got that company Aeromobile five hundred and eighty thousand dollars worth of marketing by posting that and it going viral so they're working with us <laughs> and uh, they I also then represented it to a few other automotive companies we were talking to we showed it to some other clients and it was just it's a nice validation. We run a, a, another agency called Hawk Z. It's our Gen Z agency with two of the biggest TikTok stars. And it's like, yeah, look, like we've made this work. We know how to market things and we know how to convert it too. And that's and back to the book. That's literally what it's all about is like, you want to create that awareness, but then nurturing it and actually doing things with that awareness is really where the money's made. So finding ways to actually, now that people are in the pipeline, I've also done things like, okay, so I seeded that video Then I post something about the book or about Hawk Media, and then I put another video about the fine car up, and you kind of keep them interested with the fine car, but you keep also showing them other things while you're getting those impressions. And now I have millions of views of other things about Hawk Media and about other parts of what we're doing and getting that awareness to where we want it as
0: well. So you latch the two together, so to speak, is what you're saying. Keep that full circle between them. That's that's very interesting. How, how, but creating that first viral one or looking towards that, is that just something that is, you know, it's a it's a bolt of lightning. It happens or is it something that someone can work towards to get?
4: Uh, I would say I've seen a few people actually have the ability to make a viral video. One that comes to mind is Jimmy Kimmel has been able to do like such ridiculous pranks and things that I remember uh, during the Sochi Olympics, there was this viral video of a wolf walking through the like hallways of the dorms where they're keeping mm-hmm. athletes. And it went crazy. And then like a week later, he posts a video and he had planted that wolf and he comes walking through the hallway on this set of skis. And you realize Jimmy Kimmel actually created that video on his team. So there are people that have been able to create viral videos uh, intentionally. But most of the time, it's, you know, it, when it really goes viral, it's a surprise. You're like, I can't believe that just happened. I don't know how that happened. And there's a lot of ways to sort of try to get something. But like, I just to be honest, I was lucky, not good when it came to the flying car. I thought it was interesting. I thought people would like it. I did not think 58 million people were going to see that video.
1: Yeah, Mm. (laughs) Well, but here's the thing. You can increase your odds, right? You can increase the likelihood of that lightning bolt striking by just focusing on cool stuff, and if your industry covers cool stuff, and look, over here in freight, a lot of you are around trucks or big boats or big aircraft or a really cool product or really cool warehouse operations. Show that more. People love that kind of stuff. They love to be taken inside your world, and you don't have to, like, dance or be a comedian or any of that kind of stuff. Yours was literally just a video of that it's a headline and a curtain. I mean, was there a video of the car actually flying you, like, how many views did that get yeah that, the funny thing that only got like five million
4: views Wow!
1: <laughs> <laughs> did it fly well because we saw this like we sure. saw this one render of this flying motorcycle right oh yeah and yeah, the yeah, render yeah. made it look awesome you're gonna like fly through like the hills and valleys and then we saw it on a racetrack and it was like really really loud and it went like three feet off the ground yeah <laughs> no yeah it flew like a normal airplane actually it's pretty remarkable Wow! Wow! So hey, so what is next for Hawk Media? What what kind of strategy do you think we should be focusing on going into twenty twenty two? A lot of us still virtual, still hybrid world. What should yeah. we think? Of, is it is experiences. I mean, like one of the reasons here is why it done so well is a lot of us want to get out and go to these live events, yeah. these mm-hmm. yeah. in person yeah. events. They keep getting canceled, so maybe a video from those is looking good these days.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think experiences are still tough, just because exactly what you said. We're still kind of in this shaky period. Hopefully, that continues to pass. But I think really what's changed is a lot of these digital channels have become hyper-competitive because of this switch to digital for a lot of people. And so what we're seeing is you kind of have to go wider. Like a lot of companies were able to just go really deep on Facebook ads, do their best to convert them and call it a day and now, or search ads, whatever it is. Now you really have to leverage all channels out there and find your niche and really, you know, continue to test and try things. So it's got, you know, sort of the opex of marketing has gotten a lot higher because you need to function on so many channels. But uh, we are seeing that that's been a benefit to us because we have the ability to leverage all these different channels, whether it's TikTok or Snapchat or direct mail or um, podcast advertising, etc. Like all the radio, TV, all these other channels, you can't just do Facebook ads or Google ads and call it a day anymore. You have to be leveraging all these different things to really compete.
0: Very interesting. But once you find those, are you saying that you should concentrate on those specific ones that once you get those, or do you have to maintain it once you've tested and you've gotten yourself into that loop?
4: I believe you want to get make them all work. I believe yeah, that you want yeah, that yeah. wide angle versus going deep I, it is what I've seen
1: working a lot better. Gotcha. You know, when I bring up the picture, just to bring everything full circle, one of the reasons I I show the picture of the flying thing is that one thing people have to realize, too, is if you do something cool in real life, even outside of business, make that part of your brand. Make that part of your advertising. Mm -hmm. It brings new inroads to people. Now, it has nothing necessarily to do about selling Hawk Media, but maybe it absolutely does because it gets someone who has a pilot account or is interested in flying or who just likes the picture or just likes go-getters to contact you, does it not?
4: Yeah, no, actually, funny enough, I reached out to the YPO flying community afterwards and said, hey, I'm looking to fly this plane. Does anyone have one in LA? Because I figured, who knows, might as well shoot my shot. And immediately got an email back, nothing to do with the plane, like, oh, hey, I need marketing help. Can we talk? So <laughs> it's a, you never know. I actually, my my whole thing with posting those kind of things on social is kind of what you said about like showing like there's a, a dimension to myself and it's not just about marketing. But also, it's interesting things that you keep yourself top of mind. Like, there's an aspiration to like going out and achieving and doing things that people are hiring us because they want to achieve and do things. And if you can continue to remind them like, Hey, there's cool things going on. I'm doing cool things. We're doing things that are interesting when they think about like, God, I need to make my brand, get my brand out there. Who do I know that's doing that? Oh, Eric. Oh. And he happens to have a 300 person agency that we can leverage. So that's part of it is staying top of mind.
1: Well, if you want to stay top of mind and someone wants to leverage your, your agency who's listening right now, where do I send them to?
4: Yeah, you can go to hawkmedia.com, H-A-W-K-E-Media.com. But also, you know, we've now, we're putting out this book that launches March 8th, but it's pre-launched. It's on pre-sale on Amazon, Walmart, Target, as well as on our own site. Uh, but yeah, it's just the Hawk Method. So you, it's literally, we distilled like the three principles of marketing that have helped us grow over 3,000 brands and put it into you know a digestible, easy to read book so that we, our mission has always been accessibility to great marketing. So if a company needs help, they're welcome to come to us. We love to help. But I also wanted to like sort of democratize it and get give out these books so that it makes it easier for people to learn marketing. Because we found that, we, you know, it's not about the secret sauce. It's really about doing the work and doing it right. And we're happy to teach other people how to do it right because we know that there's a lot of work involved too and
1: we're still going to be needed. Yeah. Eric, hey, congratulations, by the way. Congratulations on eight years for Hawk Media as yeah, well. We appreciate thank that. Thanks for taking some time with us today.
4: Absolutely. Thanks for having
1: me. Thank you. Talking about, awesome stuff. Stuff. Talk about exciting new spaces. Now, you've heard a lot about NFTs, right? You've heard a lot oh, yes. about yeah, yeah, yeah. blockchain and altcoins yeah. and bitcoins and viral coins and meme stocks and all that kind of stuff. Well, how does it all interrelate? Does it interrelate at all? Are right, NFTs, do they make any sense in our space? Do they make any sense in freight? We're going to find out now. We have an expert on. It's Nick Donarski. He's the CEO over at OR Systems. He's an NFT and cybersecurity expert. Speaking of no shortage of uh, cyber attacks over here in freight last year either my no friends. that's
0: certainly true that's certainly true need the security for now sure.
1: nick i hear you're a gamer at heart originally what's uh what's your number one game what do you have the most hours in
5: uh probably i, I still have a wow account honestly so oh, wow. uh, I, I, <laughs> I i didn't jump on vanilla but i've been on since uh, burning crusades other than that probably destiny 2 still playing man
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So me, me and my sons, wow. I have a five and a seven-year-old. I think we've put about 180 hours into Breath of the Wild, and I, I don't think anything uh, necessarily will compare to that. Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, introduce yourself real quick. Well, who, who are you, and what does Or do?
5: Appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, so my name is Nick Donarski. I'm uh, the CTO over here at um, O.R. Systems. Uh, And really what we are is we're a blockchain solutions company uh, focused really on kind of the gaming space, uh, but really the architecture that makes up uh, good blockchain solutions for enterprises today.
0: Really interesting stuff. Let's dive into the NFTs because I want to know about these things here. We first saw these things and went, what the heck is somebody doing by these stuff? (laughs) Why why NFTs? Talk to us about it.
5: Sure. So you know, NFTs by themselves are most commonly known of as art, right? They're yeah. they're basically yeah. as good as a poster on your wall. Um, but what most organizations or most people don't realize is that you can do a lot more things with with NFTs. So uh, we are, ourselves are using them in a utility function for in-game items, uh, digital rights management, movie streaming, music streaming, things like that, where the owner of that NFT can then freely trade those can freely you know um interact with them as far as you know buy sell trade uh and for rare items you know the the least uh, less amount of them out there in the in the wild the the higher the value and the the more wanted those things are so essentially it's a it's a digital collectible
1: no and i totally see it like i think when you're seeing sort of like 1.0 on Twitter, where someone buys an NFT, they change their profile picture, all those kind of things. That doesn't really appeal to me. But what does, as myself also being a gamer, is this changing fundamentally the way that transactions are done, the way, and I know digital, if you don't play games, digital fashion accessories may sound ridiculous to you. If you do play games, they make every bit of sense. And you understand that people yeah. spend money on these things, on loot boxes and power. They'll spend money on these things without even knowing what's inside the loot box, Michael Vincent. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Uh, <since laughs> But does that will that apply further than just games and business? Will this be in other avenues that we're approaching? Like we're giving away a Meta Two today to someone at this event. Um, what can they do in the NFT space now with that with something like a Meta Two on?
5: Sure. So uh, really, you know, as the metaverse, quote unquote, um, the you know the the experience or that virtual reality experience that's you know really kind of going to come to everybody here shortly. That virtualized version of you. Is where the individualization and the um, that that want to own an item, a digital item, comes. So as you see the big players, Microsoft, Facebook, Mm -hmm. any of those uh, uh, organizations that are launching their version of metaverse, people are going to want to individualize themselves, and this is where NFTs and the digital currencies and things like that really have a play in everyday life. So coming back from CES, um, what is it now, two weeks ago, uh, everybody was out there with uh, metaverse offices, metaverse malls, metaverse uh, concert experiences, uh, all of these virtual experiences. And one of the things that we did see was that most organizations are kind of siloing you into their metaverse, right? And metaverse is just an ambiguous term. But Uh, If you look at like Microsoft or you look at any of those entertainment platforms, you have their coin, you have their in-game items, or their in-metaverse items, just like you have in the classic video game kind of aspect, right? You buy the item in that game, it's only good for that game or that event or that metaverse, and that's it. The one thing that we see the lack is is that uh, that Ready Player One feel, if you will, that, that Oasis where you have all of the different metaverses in one, and that's our goal. Our goal is to show people that you can take that NFT from one location to another. And when you're talking about businesses, this can be record keeping on NFTs. This can be um, logging. So in the case of logistics, right, and being on what the truck here, there's there's lots of big players that are leveraging blockchain as simply a distributed database. That's the simplest way to think of blockchain is it's just a distributed database that has security functionality built into the way that the blockchain works. But having that repository of a single distributed um, database, you give logistics functionality to all of the different carriers, all of the different geolocations, all in a single repository that has checks and balances. Uh, a lot of, of the enterprise organizations are using Hyperledger for their, uh, their private chains. You have public chains that are Ethereum, uh, Binance Smart Chain, Bitcoin, all of those types of um, chains. The underlying technology is essentially just the chain that creates a ledger that then has various different data points throughout it. That technology is going to be here for enterprises as we see you know, now and into the future.
0: So, so Nick this is totally changing my entire concept of, of nfts yeah right I I'm, I'm, I'm being woke here <laughs> at the moment sure. so does that ledger now and so the nfts the coins that you're utilizing the the and really the blockchain and I understand blockchain um, is that becoming your security system to your digital assets is that is that what you're saying across the different platforms?
5: So um it's not necessarily the security system but there are secure versions of blockchain out there. So Hyperledger it's like um that version of a blockchain right utilizes certificates for authentication. Mm-hmm. Um it's not a publicly accessible network, you have to have authorization. So there's a lot of security that's built into that version of blockchain. You have other ones that are more public, right? Like Binance Smart Chain, you can publish anything that you want onto it. Ethereum, you can publish anything you want onto it. Those ones, the security really is inherent in the smart contract or the code that's running on that blockchain. So depending on what the goal of the organization is, what their level of security requirements are, really dictates, just like any other technology, what really matches with their organization and their requirements.
1: Nick, when I tend to lose people when talking about NFTs, it's when gas fees come up. They they get confused. They're like this virtual asset, it requires gas and real like it, it's a lot I think for people to take in. What's a what's a very simplistic explanation of what these gas fees are and what the experience is of buying an NFT?
5: Sure, yeah. I mean the easiest way to think of a gas fee is a credit card charge. Right. Uh, Every time you swipe your credit card, you have to pay a charge to the credit card processing. You might not pay that out of pocket. You know, the uh, the organization that's processing your credit card probably pays that. But it's essentially that processing fee. Um, When you're going into, you know, larger organizations uh, and private chains, you don't you're not affected by gas like you are on the public chains.
0: Mm-hmm. So creating an, an, an NFT has as, as, as greatly changed, right? If people are interested in doing something like this or playing around with it, that's how I got play, played around in, in blockchain. So we went out there, and a, a friend of mine in, in, in England, we actually made our own, our own uh, digital currencies, completely worthless. I own 10,000 of them. They're worthless. <laughs> okay. Um, so I won't even mention them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what Wall Street but, Bets finds out but about. That's, it. <laughs>
0: yeah, but that's, what we play, that's, what, that's, how, we've, that's how we, we started, uh, you, know, you know, played around with it. So how, how do I go on and say, you know what, I'm going to try and do this NFT. I'm going to play around with this and. And teach myself about NFTs.
5: Yeah, if, if you actually go to or forge ore dash forge dot com, that's our NFT marketplace. You can go on and you can create your own NFTs. Uh, you can get on there, you can actually buy, sell, trade them, you can use them for streaming music. So, we like we love artists and we want to support the community. So, one of the big things that we want to do is help um, content creators be able to actually manage their portfolio. We have, we have a couple of uh, rock stars on the team, um, actual t- touring, uh, musicians that are part of the team. So making they've dealt with, uh, you know, production companies and all the rest, making sure that, uh, the content creator actually has control of it is one of our big things, but yeah, go on to orforge.com. You can click create and you can start making them. Uh, we right now are deployed on the Binance smart chain Um we're, we're actually going to be supporting Avalanche and we're going to be supporting Polygon uh, this later this year. And right now, our big thing is, is you don't pay Ethereum gas fees. Uh, so the difference is, is the Ethereum really can, you know, the gas fees alone can be inhibitive. Mm-hmm. Fifty bucks to two hundred fifty or better for gas fees alone where we're dealing you know and allowing our users to make nfts for you know 15 14, 30, 30 cents per nft and it, it's it's much easier to to do it than say on something like opensea or rarible now they they are much bigger than we are but you know we're we're working our way to actually take a bite out of that there you go.
1: Now, is this something, I mean, from a sales and marketing perspective, you would implore companies to focus on, even if it's just a, a person or two figuring out how they may work for the company?
5: Absolutely. Somebody inside, I mean, as the technology grows and as you be everybody becomes more familiar and more comfortable with uh, blockchain, NFTs, crypto, things like that, just having that uh, experience of really understanding or going through the process and doing at least doing it once. Um, so we, we, We encourage everybody to go on and make one. Uh, We encourage everybody to learn about what NFTs are, what crypto is, what blockchain is, and try to break away from some of the hype and some of the, uh, Mm. um, the misconceptions really about what it is.
1: Nick, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. How do people reach out and learn more from you?
5: Yeah, you can uh, hit us up at Oresystem, O-R-E-System.com. Check us out or feel free to, you know, reach out. We're on Twitter at OresystemNFT and YouTube. Uh, we have our weekly podcast every Wednesday. So that'll actually be coming up tonight. So I recommend everybody check it out and uh, meet the team and, and see what we're doing. Thank you. Cool. Thanks for your time today. Take it easy. Thanks,
1: guys. You know what, there was a, there was a cool. on, on Twitter over the weekend, or yeah. maybe I'm c- kind of losing track of time these days, There's one yeah. guy who said he, all of his apes got stolen. His uh, NFT account got hacked, so someone took all of his apes. What's an ape? Like, apes, uh, the, the ape NFT is, like, one of the most popular ones. One oh, of the okay. more expensive okay. ones. Well, I mean, people had said, uh, broke into his account, and took all his NFTs on him, Michael. That's not cool. (laughs) No more. (laughs) Hey, you know what? I want to call back to something, which was uh, during our keynote. One thing that I realized, because we talked a lot about technology here and tools and processes, but one thing I liked that Kevin Nolan said during our keynote, which you can listen to On Demand, look it up on on FreightCast. All the sessions from the sales and marketing event will be there, but he was talking about accountability and accountability of management when they're onboarding reps, right? Right, right, and right, And right, making right, right. sure they understand the system they're in their and the system they're selling. Because I think a lot of us have been in freight jobs before. Sure. Especially your, early, your first sales job where you get put in and they're just like, all right, here's your business card, laptop, cell phone, yeah. uh, you know, a 15-second webinar on Salesforce, then you're out there in the wild.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you ask questions and they don't know how to answer it.
1: They don't. That can be really <laughs> tough. Can, your first couple sales jobs can be tough. So if you can get that process, you can solve yourself as a company. A lot of heartache, and you can s- yeah. solve yourself a lot of uh salesperson churn, especially in certain markets. I remember in Boston, like you would know which the churn companies were by the business card because you'd see these guys out you of, like sure? in the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Well, we got sales, more sales and marketing virtual event coming up. by uh, Kevin Hill will be hosting the next session. It's a fireside chat about becoming an agent for your own operating authority. Really interesting uh session out of out with SandTable. Well, we got Mary O'Connell. She's our freight broker, 3PL expert. Uh, she's going to be kept catching up with Kyle Costco with a fireside chat on hiring for culture, writing for a resume. Really interesting as well. You want to find us on Twitter, find me at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Or him at Vincent You can catch us on podcast players everywhere. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Just look up What the Truck. Tell them how to be with the rest of this summit. Hey,
0: Peace and love spread it everywhere.